This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> Both of them hurt. <laughs> Both hands. <laughs> yeah, my balls are feeling a little rough too. <laughs> yeah, Lucas needed an. Lucas has three arms. <laughs> That's true. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam. And I'm Christian, here with another podcast that just talks about movies. Uh, we're here with our guest today, John Tasker. Hello. That's John. Hi, John. Uh, that's the, for- the one foreign voice that you'll hear on this podcast today. Be uh, impressed. Right. And, our, and our sponsor today is the boundless void that awaits us after death. Coming live from the same boundless void. It's not as boundless as it seems. No, no. I, I can actually see the bounds. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite tight. <laughs> Gosh. Um, so uh, today, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, you know less about movies uh, as a whole and more about our personal experience with uh, filmmaking. So, um, as we've mentioned many times before on the podcast, uh, Lucas and I went to film school together. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam uh, has worked on a number of projects that we've done together, and John has been on a number of projects himself. Um, so we'll kind of just go from the top. So you're John. Uh, that is me. Yes, that's you. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I am. Uh, I'm 22 years old. I uh, spent most of my life in Calgary. I, I spent the first few years in Toronto, but I barely remember it, and only uh, say that to sound cool. That's probably just because of the methamphetamine, right? Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, forget about and maybe, <laughs> no. and maybe the hammer to the head. Wait, what? <laughs> Guys, what? Liam, don't talk about that. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, anyway, so after Toronto, you came here? I came here, yeah. Um, you know, just uh, just did some school stuff. I, uh, I I discovered acting as like a serious thing at around uh, 15 years old, I think. At, yeah. the, at the Kevin Spacey School for... <laughs> 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 so this is just, you can just say whatever you want, essentially. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Like, so we, we gave John, point, we we gave sen- John we some rules. We censored Liam, and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We, we, gave, we gave John some rules, but now we're breaking every single one of those rules yeah. right now. So. Yeah. so, yes, John came from Spaces Orphanage. And, <laughs> and uh, man. Our, our morality makes no sense. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> I, okay, I'll just have to hop on board then. Totally <laughs> anyway, uh, so you came back to Calgary. You discovered uh, acting at a young age. Uh, youngish, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did mainly theater. Still do mainly theater. I currently attend the University of Lethbridge. I am going into my fourth year there. Um, and it's going to be a while, as it is with post-secondary. Yeah, so totally. um, that's totally fine. But, you know, I just I just like uh, creating as much as I possibly can, whatever I can do. And that's that's where I am now. Cool. If um, you want to see John on television, look for the air guitar guy in the show Young Drunk Punk. This that's is funny. true. I was, just gonna, episode. I was <laughs> just going to ask, John, what have you been in? A long-forgotten... So, Local television show. Long forgotten. It was off the air like a year ago. So could you give us just a brief filmography, John? It's incredibly brief. Um, I was an extra once on Hell on Wheels. You can see the back of my head. And then I was air guitar guy and the pilot of Young Drunk Punk. And then I came back in the show um, as ninja number one in a different episode, which was very fun. And the second day I met this bastard. Was this the second day you met John? Yes. That's crazy. That's nuts. I bumped into you on the street as you were walking home. That did happen, yeah. Oh, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. I was like in a daze, man. I had a long day, and you just kind of appeared out of nowhere. As Liam like, does, yeah. That's, that's true. Liam's very similar to a wizard. Yeah. Oh, man, it was, it was magical. Uh, but yeah, I've done that, and then I, uh, I, was, I was in the short film that filmed in Edmonton that 
will probably never be re released, but it's called Pulling a Nick. I play Nick. I thought that was pretty cool. That's uh, that's not that's not gonna happen though, which is fine. And then uh, I've recently shot a feature film, which is called Come True, and I can't say anything else about it. Right on the All name. Right. I, I look for it on uh, on. IMDB. <laughs> yes. Uh, John has also been in a number of the Thunder Lizard stuff, so if you go onto our YouTube channel, Thunder Lizard Collective on YouTube, uh, John is the star of four um, shorts that we've done, um, the first of which is called In Obsolete Eyes, and it's a very ridiculous experimental film. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And then John starred in a short film we did called Exceptional, uh, it also has Liam in it. Liam uh, stars as a man with a giant egg on his head, and he couldn't see anything at all. I like that one. Great time. <laughs> Which I almost knocked his ass out while filming. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, gave that... Liam a hammer, and he almost killed John. So that was that was a lot of fun. I feel like I was exaggerating a little bit, though. You looked genuinely fearful. I was. He was behind me, and he was blind. So we were really, neither of us could see it. And we you cheated guys it. The camera was up. fine. You... I mean, him and Christian kept coming up from behind, poking me on the head and terrorizing me when I couldn't see <laughs> That's fuck also all. true. Yeah. We really, really, literally pushed you around. Uh, a friend of ours kept kissing Liam on the egg. It was, it was <laughs> right really fun. Face. Also, on, this, on the YouTube channel is a uh, short little buffer called Egg Kiss. It's really it's magnificent. <laughs> uh, and then uh, John has also been uh, the star of two sketches that we've done recently um, that actually aired around the time that we aired our first episode of the Thundercast, uh, the first of which is called John's Whiteboard Blackboard Show. John plays both Whiteboard John and Blackboard John. And then John was also in a sketch called uh, John's Tree Climbing Show, which is a direct sequel. Uh, you'd have to see it to understand the chronology of it. Uh, and in that, John climbs trees. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much that's <laughs> that's it. So we contributed amazing works to cinema. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's glorious. Uh, John and I are actually working on a short film right now. We're not going to say much about it on this cast. Uh, hopefully, we'll be shooting that in September, October. Uh, it should come out um, early 2019. So oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, cool! You don't even know anything about it. You're fucking. Now is not the time for ego pushing. That John, comes later. John's the star of the fucking movie. Doesn't even know anything about it. I'm sorry. That's that's my lack of producing. Uh, yeah. So uh, we brought John on because of his, uh, his bigger uh, experience in the film industry than what we have. You know. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> comparatively, either. man. I suppose. Like, like comparatively, uh, we've done more indie stuff on our side than. Um, You've done a little bit more professional stuff, so that's why it's interesting to have your perspective. Um, John, I'm going to ask you a couple rapid-fire questions real quick, all right? Okay, go for it. Number one, what's your favorite movie? Perks is Being a Wallflower. Right on. Why? Hmm. Uh, just to reiterate what all of you guys said on your very first cast, I think I watched it at the exact right time in my life. I was like 16 years old, and... Uh, you know, just uh, saw a lot of myself in the in the character and and uh, the character's friends. I don't know. Doing I, acid and then shoveling your sidewalk at two o'clock. I'm in the not way. far off, honestly. <laughs> um, except except for the acid part. Of <laughs> what what is that? What are drugs? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like I, I've seen it a million times, and I probably cry every single time. But uh, yeah, it's just very very close to my heart. Perfect. What's your second favorite movie? Ah. Next, ah. next question, surprise. What's your third favorite? <laughs> the Breakfast Club. Ah, okay. Number two is a hard pull, but number three, you got it in the bag. Number two's tough. 
I don't, I don't, I can't even say it, you know. John's whiteboard, blackboard. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's fun. It's totally fun. Breakfast Club, hey? I do really like the Breakfast Club. I think I, I, I wrote a top 10 list a while ago on my old phone, and I haven't, uh, haven't looked at it in a long time, but I do remember that most of them are coming-of-age stories. Another event I was there for. Yes, you were. The, oh, yeah. Very drunk on St. Patrick's Day, making this top 10 list. I'm Maybe it's not just, as accurate as I thought. I'm pretty sure Liam's just everywhere at all times. Yeah, like Facebook. I said, he's a wizard, man. <laughs> Liam knows where we are, all of us, at any moment. Yeah, it's true. And he can find us. We don't know where he is, but he knows no, where we are. He I never reveals himself everything. to me. <laughs> no, yeah. Liam just kind of apparates when yeah. we open the door to this to our office. I'll call it yeah. an office. <laughs> um, Liam just kind of apparates, and then suddenly we're recording a podcast. It's really wild. Yeah. Lucas, do you have any questions for John? No. <laughs> are we interviewing Lucas or are we interviewing John here? Because yeah, I've got one for you, John. What's your favorite part of a rock? Oh, God damn it. Oh, uh... I th- we asked it once on the podcast. I kind of put a moratorium on it, but I'll, I'll let you have this one, Liam. I'll let you have it. We must ask all of our guests what their favorite part of the majesty that is the rock. Dwayne, I think that's the rock. fair. Oh, Dwayne. Oh. No, definitely his teeth. His teeth? Mm. His teeth? And in the context of his smile, of course. Yeah. I, I would like to have his teeth. Yeah, if he was scowling at you, I don't think <laughs> yeah, you yeah. would really but, appreciate uh, it. But he never is. He's just constantly smiling. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he's, he's got a big man. smile on his face. This is this is this yeah. is Thundercast, the Rock Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> we have the many rock. different monikers for this podcast. Yeah. Last one, it was gonna. Well, last one we talked about making it uh, uh, Christian Kostinik's hardcore Vietnam history. Yeah, yeah. Where I just bitch about uh, JFK for fourteen <laughs> hours. Uh, this one is now the Rock Appreciation Podcast. So yeah. you know what? I'm okay tame. with it. Yeah, it's a little more tame. <laughs> uh, I, th- I feel like if if anything, it's because you can see yourself in in Dwayne the Rock's smile, right? Like quite literally, it's so. Shiny. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. I saw this post today that said that there's gonna be a uh, generation of kids who don't know Dwayne the Rock Johnson for being the Rock, and they won't know what he was cooking. Uh, <laughs> I'm honestly one of those people. Like I didn't. I the first thing I saw him in was uh, the Tooth Fairy. That was no, that, that was that was the, it for me. The game, the game plan, the That's game the fucking movie, the game, and I really enjoyed that. I was movie. just like, who is this very large man? Why is he in a tutu? <laughs> the biggest one I've ever seen. Didn't the the sequel to Tooth Fairy wasn't that uh, Vin Diesel? No, it was Larry the Cable Guy. Oh goddamn! Right. Oh, There's a sequel to the Tooth Fairy. Um, there sure is. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That, there you go. You learn something on the Thundercast every day. Interesting. Wow. Every two weeks, we bring the facts for you. I. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Um, that's John in a nutshell. Uh, we'll kind of go over some things that we've seen this week. I think that's that's our usual progression mm-hmm. of, of things. So we'll go from we'll go from Lucas and work our All way right. over to John. So uh, this last week, I watched um, a show on Netflix called Final Space. Right, the animated one. Yeah, the animated space opera comedy thing, and it's a weird fucking show. Is it a kids show or is it like no. BoJack? It's it's not quite it's not the same as BoJack. It's they don't even really swear. It's just extremely violent and gory. Oh, like Rick and Morty. Sort of. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's really really strange because it has the tone of like a slow methodical drama, but the dialogue of like sort of like Family Guy or BoJack Horseman or something like that. <laughs> That's nuts. It's very strange to watch. It's fascinating. Like I I'm not even sure I'm not even sure if I like the show or not. But I've watched but I watched every episode just because it was so. Interestingly made. How many episodes? Uh, ten. There's ten. only ten. Okay, okay. ten half hour episodes. That, that's but. easy. Yeah, but it's just 
weird and fascinating and sort of funny. Can you give us a general uh, plot um, for those at home? Yeah, sure. There's this guy named Gary, and he's a prisoner on a spaceship, and then he runs across this li this life form that is an adorable green ball that can survive in space, but it all is it is also a super weapon. And then... Like Fart from Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might be like that Gurky guy you were talking about. <laughs> Gurky. <laughs> Gurky. <laughs> no, uh, and then some, some this evil creature called the Lord Commander wants Mooncake, as they called them. Mooncake? Mo Mooncake, yeah. That's awesome. And it sort of becomes a space chase opera, save the universe sort of thing. Cool. And it's it's very strange. There's there's a cat. There's a cat character, who, like a humanoid cat. His name is Avocado. Avocado. Yeah. Is he is he like a cat bug from Bravest Warriors? Did you ever watch Bravest Warriors? That. Oh, it's great. It's literally a ladybug that's also a cat. <laughs> and it's played by a child. It's well, really he's, he's a humanoid cat person. Like if if you're familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, a tabaxi. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I saw. I also watched Central Intelligence speaking to the Rock. Oh yeah. It's it's not a great movie, but The Rock is just so likable. That's Kevin Hart too, is, right? Yeah. Is Kevin Hart actually tolerable in this one or he's fine. Is that is that the one? where the rock is like super overweight in the beginning of the movie in in like in the flashbacks he's like super overweight and and like in the future he also grew like two feet right <laughs> in like both directions yeah it, yeah he becomes a rock yeah <laughs> and he is like a fanny pack and he's like really into unicorns right on it's when, a weird are, movie. when are we gonna start calling the rock the mountain or the planet <laughs> when he takes us over and becomes the president when of the he planet. wants us to <laughs> yeah when we <laughs> look <laughs> when he looks down upon us we look up upon him he's a god among insects anyway christian um i i watched uh mystery men uh about 20 minutes before you guys got here i finished the movie uh, it is a movie from the 90s. I think it's from 98. Yeah, it's um, uh, Ben Stiller, right? Yeah, it's Ben Stiller, William H. Macy, uh, Hank Azaria, Janine Garofalo, Tom Waits, uh, Jeffrey Rush, uh, and Greg Kinnear. Wait, um, Jeffrey Rush, really? Yeah, Jeffrey yeah, Rush yeah. plays the villain. Uh, the premise Any of the movie, movie with Jeffrey Rush is worth watching. He's so good. <laughs> you don't, you don't, before Barbosa too, so mm -hmm. that's what makes it even like a little bit more... Uh, you get to kind of see him in a different role because I find that when actors do something so iconic, it's hard for them to really do anything yeah. outside of that. Um, but the premise of the movie is Greg Kinnear plays a character named Captain Fanta uh, Captain Amazing, and he's a douchebag. And uh, but to the public eye, everybody loves him. He's got this uh, this villain or this nemesis or nemesis, as he says it in the movie. He's like, <laughs> what is it? What is it? Nemesis, nemesis, <laughs> and Jeffrey Rush's nemesises. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, he get breaks him out of uh, this insane asylum, and then because he wants to have this one final battle with him, he ends up getting captured by uh, J Jeffrey Rush, whose character's name is Casanova Frankenstein. Uh, he's got really long <laughs> nails. That's his superpower. Um, his nails are very so long and sharp. So it's like that episode of Family Guy where we get superpowers and, and nails. And Meg can only grow her fingernails. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, and then he the, cool stuff with them. He can cut people. Can he climb stuff? He can cut people. Uh, and uh, basically, <laughs> oh, the mi bolt. the mystery men um, is the the group that I named that weren't the other people. Um, and they don't have any superpowers, and they got to go save uh, Greg Kinnear. So it's hmm. fun. It it's got a very special spot in my heart because I watched it when I was a kid. It's also I should I should mention this. It's the first usage of All Star by Smash Mouth in a movie. The what? music video oh, for fuck's sake. The music video is from the the movie. Yeah. So so uh, anybody who says All Star is from Shrek, they're fucking wrong. <laughs> Let that uh, song die. Kill it. You know what, Liam? Please. It was great when it came. It's out. actually 
It's still a good song. Yeah, it hasn't changed it. much. Past few days, it. Lucas, you'll love this. <laughs> uh, I've been watching uh, The Good Place. Yeah, uh, I've been I've been rewatching The Good Place. I've I seen love it before. That show. Uh, I, re- I watched the first season in one night because I just wanted to lay in bed and just watched it on my iPad. That show is just so fucking good, oh, man. man. And then I started rewatching the second season, um, which is just as good, mm-hmm. if not better. I, I think second season's better actually. And we get uh, season three in September. September or October, Sweet. so that's kind of why I've been watching it is because I wanna I wanna um, oh, go man. through it again. Have you guys you guys haven't seen it? Right? I've seen the pilot episode. I watched it not too long ago and I oh, really man. enjoyed it. I don't it's know you gotta watch the whole show, man. Yeah, there's so much more to it than what you see in the pilot. Oh, totally. Yeah, it it, yeah. it goes into some weird spots. It goes deep into ethical philosophy. Yeah, like like hard. not even kidding. And and okay. but really still really accessible. Which is really good about it. Um, I, I love the trolley, the trolley problem the trolley episode. Problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> won't, really good. won't spoil anything for you guys. No, we'll um, do a whole episode on the trolley problem. Do you know what the trolley problem is? I think so. The one with the switching. The... Yeah, there's five people on one railroad, one person on the other. If you do nothing, you kill five people. If you pull the switch, you kill one. Yeah. They do a whole episode. They, they do like one storyline in the episode all about that, and it's it's hilarious. I got an idea for a game at the end of the podcast. That's a trolley problem. There, so. <laughs> uh, and then it also has one of the best season finales of any TV show ever. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it is absolutely mind bending. Okay, uh, that's true. and then second season picks up almost exactly where it left yeah. off, and it's so good. Kristen yeah. Bell's hilarious. Ted Danson's hilarious. The yeah. rest of the cast, I, especially the. Uh, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, shoot. I, I knew his name before I came into this yeah, podcast. Yeah, I can't remember the actor's name, unfortunately. Um, yeah, no, and then Jamil, Jamelia, Jamil, I think is her name. Uh, she plays oh, Tahani. Tahani, yeah. yeah For a Tahani, second, I thought really you were going to say good. Jaleel White. No, <laughs> no, no. Urkel is not in this movie, not in this show. What's what's the guy's name that plays um, Chidi? Chidi, uh, it's... Um, ah, fuck me. No. I had it on the tip of my tongue just now. Because he has, him and Kristen Bell have some of the best scenes together ever. Yeah, and then totally. like one of the best jokes ever written, as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, the uh, who died and left him in charge, who who died and left uh, Aristotle in charge of moral philosophy, and he's like, Plato. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's got he's got it like laid yeah, out on a, on a chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And then uh, there's this character named Janet, and she plays yes. like this. She's kind of like an AI, but she's not really a robot. Um, she's like an all-knowing being. Uh, she's played by an actor named uh, DeHarcy Carden. And, man, she's fucking funny. Oh, man, Janet's one of the best parts of the show. <laughs> yeah, I think totally. we should probably move on as much as I love The Good Place. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else I watched. Uh, nope, that's pretty much it. Liam, what have you watched? You know, you guys always ask me what I've watched. Why don't you ask me something else, like what I've read or what I've listened to? <laughs> That's not or... what this is about. Yeah, Liam, it's a movie podcast. You know, I'd like you two better if you read. Um, what? Hey, hey, you shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas reads more than the both of us combined. I can guarantee that. All right, since you guys insist on talking Lucas about Lucas writes what more than us combined. <laughs> since you guys insist on knowing what I've watched... I saw Mission Impossible Fallout last uh, Friday. Oh, yeah? How was that? Pretty fucking sweet, actually. Okay. So, to give a brief rundown of what I think of... Like, because I feel like I can't really talk about it without talking about Mission Impossible as a whole. I'm um, sure you physically can. Yeah, like... That's what I think of Mission Impossible. Uh, the first one I like. The second one I think is absolute bullshit, but I think it's kind of amusing bullshit. I like the third one. Uh, I really like the fourth... Really like the fifth, but this one I think actually may be the best they put out. Hmm. That's what I've heard so far. Okay, yeah. So, um, the, I know the, Brad Bird liked it. All right. Really? The stunts. Yeah, Brad Bird liked it. Yeah. Well, apparently like Brad that. Bird's an objectivist now, so. I don't know what that means. 
Is he an objectivist, or did that one person say he is being? Uh, uh, people have, have uh, speculated whether or not Brad Bird is. Nober's been a big. So he likes like objects, like he likes no. pens and stuff. <laughs> Nober's been a big push. Sorry, explain Look to me this. exactly what um, you mean by objectivist. Like uh, by, by like the Ayn Rand philosophy. A lot of people oh. are going off claiming that uh, Brad Bird's an objectivist. Hmm. Did you um, know The Incredibles is the fastest movie to make a the fastest animated movie to make a billion dollars? The first or second? Which one? Incredibles Incredible. two. Okay. But like, cool. uh, what I was saying about uh, MI six is that uh, the stunt work in it is probably the best I've seen since Mad Max. Like uh, they do this, sh- uh, they do some um, like whether it be a foot chase or a car chase or like even the shit they do with helicopters. Like it's some of the coolest shit I've seen in a movie in a while. Hmm. Um, yeah. Cavill is also. Man, I forgot Henry Cavill could be a badass. And that mustache, <laughs> man. Yeah, oh, man, that mustache is yeah. worth that hype. Would you give it a ride, Liam? <laughs> I wish I could have a mustache like that. Um, Just shave the rest of your fucking face, like, and then you'll have a mustache. <laughs> as for... It's that simple. Um, Liam's got a massive beard right now. Um, as for people who haven't seen the... Uh, Oh, the other ones, I'd love to say that you could just hop in and watch it, but there is some stuff that carries over, particularly from the last one. Mm. In fact, there's actually, without spoiling anything, there's an unexpected little thing that ties back all the way to the first one. Brian De Palma shows up. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, I was overall very, very impressed. My only real negative is that I think it's a little too long because it's coming in at about two and a half hours. So I'm like, you could have, you could have maybe trimmed about 15 minutes or whatnot. Yeah. Um, just because by then it's like I thought it was kind of starting to drag a little um, oh, yeah. or it's just like they throw so much at you that it kind of gets tiring after a while right. but I mean if I'm so entertained to a point where I'm tired by the end that's almost more of a positive than it is a negative <laughs> yeah I'd say so um, John uh, what? oh sorry have you seen something else uh, yeah and the other thing I did was I rewatched uh, The Never Ending Story oh yeah, yeah. I, that was right after our podcast we, yes. so we recorded uh, almost a week ago today uh, well, no, two days from now. So we've, well, fuck, it's only been like five days since yeah. we recorded last. We have to record now because I'm going on an extended hiatus and we wanted to have an, an episode out um, for August 10th. Um, but uh, yeah, so immediately after the podcast, uh, I got home, Liam texts me and he's just like, I'm watching Never Ending Story. And I'm like, it's like <laughs> fucking 3 a.m. Like, uh, no, you were like, hey, Liam, thanks for giving my drunk ass a ride home. That's not what I said. Um, I said, thank you for paying for my Uber. Um, and, uh, he's like, and he's like, oh yeah, no, watch Apes. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm watching Never Ending Story. I think I forgot how much, like, it kind of, like, hit me as a kid. Say my um, name, Sebastian. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I forgot that, like, while I was watching, I started to get, like, a lot of memories back. Like, being, uh, terrified of, uh, of that wolf thing. Falcor? And, no, the wolf. Like, oh. uh, Falcor's the luck dragon. Mm-hmm. Who, as a kid, I was like, that is, like, one of the most majestic fictional animals I've ever seen. Doesn't he sound like this? Um... I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, like, it's so creative, but puppetry's amazing. It's Jim Henson, right? Uh, I believe Jim Henson worked on it. I'm not sure, though. It's di- actually directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who nice. did uh, um, oh. Air Force One and Troy. He also did Enemy Mine, a movie that I love that nobody's seen. I have not seen <laughs> that. I have not seen it either. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't seen it stars either. Dennis Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr. It's great. You should look it up. Anyway. I saw Sorry to Bother You a few days ago. Um... And it was really, really, really interesting. I've never quite seen a movie like it. The, the, the thing I've been telling people is that, like, it's a weird movie. If you watch the trailer... Um, does the trailer do it justice at all? It does a portion of it justice. And this is what I really appreciate is that, like, 
like in this day and age where trailers just give everything away like you really don't know what the movie you're going into while watching this trailer but the trailer is enough to like make it super appealing um for those who haven't seen the trailer it's about a a, a guy named well i don't remember his, oh his name's uh cash Ca- cashier screen yeah, yeah cash green yeah and he's, uh, he's played by the guy the get out guy from get out the literal get out guy lakeith stanfield is his name and uh and he becomes a telemarketer and uh mm. he's He's not doing too well at it at first, and then uh, uh, to his left, he finds out he's working next to a very old Danny Glover, who tells him uh, the key to telemarketing is using your white voice. And pretty quickly, he discovers his white voice, and it is played by... uh, David Cross. David Cross. (laughs) Tobias Funke himself. Um... Uh, Patton Oswalt also plays another white voice, um, as Uh, well as other white actors. Danny Glover is a Steve Buscemi, right? I think it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not in a lot of the movie, but um, but yeah. What I've been saying about this movie is that, like, um, in terms of the direction, like, it's very, it's all like all the effects are very practical in terms of the desk uh, and like Keith Stanfield kind of dropping into wherever he is telemarketing with. It's really cool to watch and him actually like interacting with those people he's on the phone with. Um, and throughout the most of the movie, you'll be like, oh, this is a really weird movie, and then it's like it's the weirdest fucking thing you've ever seen, and like you're gonna think you know. And then you're going to know. So, like anything Charlie Kaufman's ever made. Yeah, uh, you know Charlie Kaufman, John? I've... Remind me who Charlie He wrote uh, Eternal Sunshine. Um, he wrote being Schenectady, oh, New yes, York. John Malkovich. John Malkovich. John Malkovich is the only movie of his that I've seen. Oh, no, I've seen Eternal Sunshine. Then, I was going to say, wait, what? I have seen Fuck. Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's everybody it's should watch. Wow, well, okay. and I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, thank Christ for it. Um, yeah, have yeah. you seen Being John Malkovich? No. Okay, uh, I don't think you'll like it. It's. Uh, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, it's very... It's a... It's probably I don't know. Um, Have you seen Being John Malkovich? Yeah. Is it any? Is it is? Uh, sorry to bother you. Weirder or? Yes. Or, yeah. Okay. Sorry to bother you. Yeah, what what I mean, I thought I'm a more traditional guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah and I thought that uh, Charlie Kaufman had a tendency to get his head up his own ass. But anyway, tell me more about this guy getting his head up his own ass. It's. I <laughs> wouldn't. I wouldn't call it getting his head up his own ass. Um, I mean, like, I think that, as far as I know, this is the movie, the director is named Boots Riley. Yeah, it's the, fir- it's the first movie. Mm-hmm. And this, the, he wrote this script, or the first draft was written in 2012, I think it was, and he's been trying yeah. to get this movie made ever It was since. one of those blacklisted ones that had that nobody wanted to make, Yeah, everybody wanted to make. You guys see that Venom trailer? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I saw it, I watched it this morning, and what pissed me off the most was that very last scene mm. where he's just like, I'm going to bite your arms off, and then yeah. I'm going to bite your legs off. Is that what he was saying? Yeah, and he's like, I'm going to throw you down the street. (laughs) Well, I'll do do the Venom voice. I'll throw you down the street like you're a can. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Is he quipping? He he literally says like a turd on the wind. Yeah. That's one of his lines. Yeah, and then then the guy's like, who are you? And he's like, we got Venom. And I was like, okay, you kind of brought it back. (laughs) But then (laughs) they took it away again with that joke at the end. Oh, yeah, I got a parasite. Yeah, I got a parasite. What does Tom Hardy sound like? Um, he's, I don't, he's I don't, doing a sure really weird. He's doing a well. Tom Hardy himself is British. Yeah, I know but, that. And but, but like, here, has he ever done his own voice in a movie? Yes. I think he sounds like <laughs> in Inception, he's pretty much doing his voice. Mm, yeah, okay. pretty much. Um, but like, uh, the best thing I can say about the Venom trailer is Venom himself. I like the way he looks and the way he moves and like the design overall. There's that cool bit that where he's ripping tongue. that guy in half. Yeah, I mean, cool. despite the fact that I hate the Venom tongue, one thing anybody knows about me when I read comics is. I've always preferred Venom when he's just when he's just drawn having this big creepy grin and smile. Yeah. Like you kind of see in the trailer, but once the tongue thing comes in, I'm like, it's he just licks the guy's face. face. Yeah, it's yeah, just so. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just that it's just so over designed and just like, and like, uh, 
vulgar for the sake for vulgarity's sake, mm-hmm. and kind of sh- showcases the '90s of uh, the '90s era of comics in, the nu- in a nutshell. Yeah, totally. I just let the whole trailer look dumb. Yeah, I mean, it's, it <laughs> it was better than the teaser trailer we got, mm. um, which is not saying much. And then the second, it was better. Oh yeah, and then the first. Tra- oh, I hated the teaser trailer, man. The second trailer. The first. The, the teaser. So there was a teaser trailer, then there was the first trailer. This is our second trailer. Okay, better than the teaser. I was thinking of the first trailer. Yeah, no, it's better than the, the teaser trailer. The teaser trailer was shit. Yeah. And then the first trailer was like, okay, I, you're not showing Venom. <laughs> and then they show Venom, and you're kind of like, now I'm not I, excited I anymore. I think they should have captured the first trailer. I think that was when people were most keen on seeing it. Yeah, yeah I think it kinda, From the moment I saw the first trailer, I was like, okay, this is going to this is gonna be bad. Yeah, it kind of looks like bad. a heaping pile of I Venom think shit. The, I think the biggest issue is that Venom him, Venom just inherently isn't very interesting without Spider-Man. Hmm. Um, like, because the, the whole thing with the symbiote in the comics is that uh, the reason why it turns Eddie Brock into something like Spider-Man is because it, ke- is because, um, it kept Spider-Man's abilities and attributes and leached off of them because it liked them. Hmm. And then found somebody, or went to somebody who hated Spider-Man for abandoning it as much as he... As, or hated Spider-Man as much as it did for abandoning it. Yeah, it wasn't constructed to be as such, right? That um, is what the trailer kind of shows. One thing I do like in the trailer is that I do like how they seem to be portraying Eddie Brock as more of like a a tragic character as opposed to a uh, as opposed to just a douche who uh, hates Spider-Man because he was a because he was a dirtbag. Like in the comics, Eddie Brock's like uh, has terminal cancer. Yeah, and uh, the big the start the downward spiral of, of his life was. Spider-Man essentially inadvertently ruining his career. Hmm. The thing that bothers me most about this movie being made is the same problem that was with Spider-Man 3, which is Sony being like, they want to see it, rather than, oh, somebody wants to make it. Like, they're mm-hmm. making it for mm-hmm. these fans. that they. I think the express purpose of pleasing people is just the wrong way to yeah, go pe- about it. Yeah, people want to see it, things. but no one wants to make it. Yeah, yeah. people want to yeah. see a Venom movie that's act that's an actual that's actually Venom in an actual Spider-Man thing, or at least from fans I talk to. Um, the other thing that uh, uh, more news that came out this week was uh, Carrie Fisher being in uh, episode nine, which oh, is yes. really yep. nice. Yeah, uh, Mark in... Hamill's coming back too. Yep, which is interesting. I, I knew that he would be back. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I had a feeling it was, like, because Last Jedi is the only real time Star Wars has done, like, flashbacky things. Um, like, with... Uh, that's true. That's um, true. So, I mean, I could see this going one of two ways. I don't think Abrams will do it because he's a Star Wars purist, but uh, I have a feeling that he's probably just going to be a Force ghost. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, well, obviously. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Um, uh, no, that, 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 what do you mean by a, flashbacky? Any, any other options... Never even crossed my mind. I, when, yeah, yeah. When, I was, that, when that happened in Last Jedi, I was like, "Oh, he's coming back as a Force Ghost, obviously." Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, like, I've heard some people. Does. I've yeah. heard some people saying that they may show flashbacks, but I'm like, no, that was like, it was uh, like, yeah. well, it's a there was a time jump, is what as far as we know, there yeah, is a there, time there's, jump. There's no holes in Luke's Luke's story right now. No, no, not at all. Um, and what Liam was saying about the time, uh, the flashbacks and that sort of stuff is that you see Luke um, having that vengeance, a vengeance towards Kylo. And like oh yes, the they're not even. Or it wasn't even really versions. vengeance. It well, that that you know what I mean. That rat and yeah, that. Uh, and also, I've yelled about that since so many times. So sort of, there were sort of flashbacky things in Force Awakens. Ray had that vision. Yeah, they that's true. They weren't straight up flashbacks though. So yeah, but, yeah. Anyway, well, I mean, there's a couple of. They're not her flashbacks. Like you, you no. get to see like Luke touching um, 
R2. Yeah, and the Knights of Ren. Yeah, yeah, and that sort of thing. What happened in the Knights of Ren, I wonder? Yeah. Um, Uh, We'll probably see it. um, I I wouldn't be surprised if Kylo just killed them all. I was going to say, according to Ryan Johnson, they were originally going to be... He toyed with the idea of them being the Praetorian Guards in Last Jedi, but... He said that he was like, oh, it wouldn't make sense for Kylo as a character to just up and kill them right there. And there's also that, um, oh, is it he's so he decided to write them out. As he just said, there really isn't a place for them in this story. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, that's. I think that, that closes our first uh, segment of the podcast. Yeah, I'd say that closes the first half. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, we're going to go on a very quick break. Uh, this is, I think we'll kind of make it uh, common practice to, to have a couple of things, and we'll go on break, and then we'll come back. Um, we're still learning. We're still learning how to podcast, so please bear with us. Uh, but until then, we'll see you after the break. All right, welcome back to the Thundercast. We're here with our guest, John Tasker. Uh, today's episode, we are talking about filmmaking experiences. Uh, Lucas and I went to film school uh, a couple years ago. We graduated in 2015, so it's been three years. Uh, feels like 20 years. <laughs> uh, in that span feels of time... Like two weeks sometimes. Yeah, the joys sometimes, of getting yeah. old. Hey, guys. Yes, yeah, I'm, we're old as fuck. Uh, in that span of time, we've tried to do some independent filmmaking of our own. Uh, some of it successful, some of it not successful. Uh, <laughs> we'll go through some of those experiences uh, uh, coming up here. Uh, but first and foremost, we'll kind of go through what we got, what got out of film school, I guess. All right. Yeah. So um, we went to film school in Calgary. Uh, we went to, uh, should we say it? I guess there's really only one film school in Calgary. Well, there's two. Is there? Yeah. Okay, we of. went to one of the two film schools in Calgary. Um, one was more technical than the other, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was in southern Alberta. <laughs> it may or may not have been. It was an institute. It was an institute. So we went there, uh, and uh, Lucas and I met, or mostly became friends in the second year of university, but mm-hmm. we were friendly in, their, in our first year. Yeah. Yeah. We, we sort of were involved in a project together. Then that group sort of had a, a bit of a falling out, and then we you, you we kind of split on opposite sides. Yeah. Oh, in the first year. <laughs> yeah, when we did when yeah, we did when I when I directed the the pickup. No, it's the pickup. Yeah, you was, directed the pickup. Yeah, I, I wrote it and directed oh, it. Oh yeah. shit! It's, I told it was terrible. I, we all we all wrote. <laughs> so yeah, so going from that like first year university, first year I wouldn't even call it university. First year of our of our two year endeavor in mm-hmm. a film school. Um, our first year was very much just getting to know each other and getting to know uh, where we were gonna be in our second year and kind of what uh, everybody's sensibilities were. We had a, a, I'm not gonna lie, we had a pretty rough group of, of individuals. Yeah, there was a lot of personalities that clashed. Yeah, it was a very diverse <laughs> group of people, which in other years of the school, there were people who were a little bit more um, conducive to each other, I guess. Yeah, they meshed a little better. Our, yes. our group did not mesh all that well, I would say. We, we dealt with some stuff that most uh, classes don't. Yeah, It's like what they say, college is just high school with ashtrays. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I Liam's not far off. I don't, know, I don't know about your high school, but my high school is full of ashtrays. <laughs> People and Legal outside. ashtrays. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, first year, we did a number of... Um, introductory pro, uh, projects. So mm-hmm. we had to do a couple project, projects that were about specific camera moves. Remember, like, yeah. like mm-hmm. the search and yeah, the, the chase. chase. And um, the airplane. Did, did yeah, you the airplane. The yeah. airplane. Um, what was the other? There was two more. 
Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I fuck, I them. can't remember. Um, that was in the time where I had done. Uh, I had directed two, I believe, because um, I had uh, the first one I remember doing was the search, which did not come off the way that I wanted it to. Okay. So what? What the biggest issue with what they were what they were doing in from my perspective was that they would give everybody the footage and then everybody would edit their own version. Yeah. And if somebody didn't like you, they would completely bastardize your project. They would make it like a joke, which, mm. and then a lot of the time people would enjoy that one more, which, you know, was a shitty way of fucking teaching me <laughs> lessons yeah. and, yeah, and teaching me techniques because I was just like, I'm trying to learn this technique and I'm trying to better myself. So why would people not try and, you know, benefit each other? Whatever, besides the point. <laughs> um, and then we also, oh no, that was second year. Um, I was going to talk about uh, uh, Doom Dorm. Doom Dorm. Doom <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so first year was kind of the way that it was. Um, mm-hmm. we, we did we did sort of a side project, a, uh, a small group of us. There was uh, uh, seven of us. I yeah, guess? something yeah. like that. And they uh, would let us. So a biggest part, the biggest part, and the biggest benefit of going to film school was that they would let us rent out equipment. Yes. And and very very high quality equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, many of which we. Didn't occupy. We didn't use to the benefit of no. We didn't. Our learning. We didn't. Um, but I'll let you. Sorry, I'll let you carry on with yeah. Uh, so with so I kind, I kind of uh, put. I, I got a couple. Uh, I don't think Christian was a part of this group yet, but uh, a couple of my closer friends in that group uh, got together. I'm like, I want to make something. Let's make something. And nobody had an idea, so I pitched an idea that I had, and that turned into a short film called The Pickup. Uh, we never finished it. The concept was a serial killer who kills hitchhikers picks up a serial killer hitchhiker, and shenanigans ensue. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, I, I think the premise is great. I like yeah, the I, I like the premise. I think the script was okay. Well, because from what I remember is that when I joined, we oh, um, uh, we all kind of wrote a different version yeah, of the script and, and then, then combine them together. Yeah, and I, I did not stand by my original intentions like I like I should have. I kind of tried to please everybody and took bits and pieces of each script and mashed them together. That's and, not how uh, you write a script, ladies and gentlemen. No, FYI. unless you have a specific writing partner who you trust. Like Lucas. Has, yeah, like me and Christian. Yeah. Anyway, um, we kind of got together. We went out there. Uh, we put a, we put money into it, and we put a lot of time and effort into it. It didn't turn out the way any of us wanted. Uh, some of the footage wasn't really usable, uh, and we did do some pretty pretty um, I'd say advanced stuff for what we, we were did. Doing. It, it was definitely a learning experience. Like we uh, we did uh, we shot a car interior, um, and what we did is we went into somebody's garage and blacked out all the windows, mm-hmm. and then we mm-hmm. would have somebody on the back of the car, or it was a van. And uh, it was me, <laughs> and I was jumping on the back of the car to make it look like it was moving. <laughs> yeah. And the guys in the in the seat would like bounce like as if they were driving yeah. down the road. <laughs> a little overacting, if I if I must say. It sounds yeah. like the shit me and much. my brothers used to do with the camera, to which my dad would yell at us. <laughs> kind of like it was it was very um, rudimentary. But. Yeah. And well, point point of the story is uh, I don't know what the point of the story is. We, we made a little shitty short film that we never finished, even though I kind of wanted it to be finished just so it was finished. But that, but that's finished. such a that's such a uh, for lack of a term amateur filmmaker kind of way of going about it. It is, and then our our group sort of split in half. Yeah, it was like <laughs> Are these groups rival groups. Did you guys ever sort hate of? each other? We didn't. We didn't we say we I, hated each other. I I, I never I I 
try very hard not to hate other people in general, okay. uh, but there definitely were some hostile feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like, uh, we went on uh, my side of the group. This was kind of, Lucas and I were on different sides of the of the thing. I was also kind of like, like, oh, I just, like, these are guys that have similar sensibilities as me, so I'll go hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we went on to uh, do something called Brood Club. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, fucking, I remember of a brood club days. Fucking brood club. We had a logo that looked like an asshole. Um, it, was a tr- it was a bunch of triangles, John, but it looked like a butthole. Like do you mean for it to look like a butthole? No. Oh. <laughs> it just ended up looking like a cat's asshole. And um, by brooding, they meant... No, okay, so brooding is, is, is intent- intensive thinking. Yeah. Right? That's what it was. I wouldn't say first year university was bad by any means. Um, it definitely was its its own thing, I guess mm. is kind of how I would call it. Because it was... Puberty. Yeah, it was puberty. Yeah, sure. Second, was, second puberty. Second, pu- second, second puberty. Um, <laughs> um, but what did you do before film school, Lucas? Because I know you had, you had yeah. done um, a short film with some friends. Yeah, I, I shot and uh, produced uh, a little, little short with my buddy Matthew Marioni. Um, it was called uh, Deer in Headlights. It's uh, very... Tarantino-esque. Yeah. It's very very much that style. Um I'm I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, honestly. I've seen it. I, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's not it's not bad. My Matthew uh did most of the work. I just showed up with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I shot everything and I, I was credited as a producer because I supplied a lot of equipment. Yeah. And I, I, I helped him out a lot. I, I we found I found some locations for him and stuff like that. Uh and that was a week of my life and I Look back on it fondly. Well, you had also gone to a different school, right? Yes, well, I had gone to a, a different university back in British Columbia, uh, where I had studied uh, theater for a year and a half, which probably was pretty helpful going into. It was. I I don't um, remember a whole lot of it. Yeah, I I have a very selective memory. I can remember some things very well. Like I have pretty much the player's handbook for fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons memorized, but I can't remember what I had for dinner last night. Um, <laughs> That's gonna be useful. <laughs> yeah. It was a page from the fifth edition yeah. of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> because it. it's been cor- progressively eating it over time. Yeah, exactly. Don't judge us Lear- we're learning, poor. learning by osmosis. No, that's that was my experience with Deer and Headlights and then in the theater I just acted and stuff. We tried to make a web series but no one ever showed up. And yeah, I've been, I've been, yeah. been yeah. trying to make. Something I, I feel, I feel like most of us the... have have been there. Yeah, because John, you had had um, your own uh, comedy troupe, right? You have one sketch, uh, the, the recess one. Yeah, the it's it's the recess characters as uh, old people in an old folks home <laughs> trying to escape as they did back in school. And yeah, it was. I mean, like I'm proud of the sketch. It was my first uh, foray into writing. Wasn't actually in it, and. Um, I'm just trying to like uh, make this kind of troop at the same time you're going to school. Also, first year of university, where you're trying to find your feet. So like, I wasn't um, the most conducive environment to do it in. And like, we had like nine people involved. In yeah, that. nine. I remember people. your pitch video. Like, I remember yeah, your pitch like video fairly well. Oh, I forgot. I forgot about that. But yeah, no, like it's just like people who you like just met and you don't know who you vibe with that well. And like, not that I don't vibe with any of them, um, but like, I don't know. It's just. Just hard to maneuver that stuff, obviously. Yeah, I find that whenever you try and do your first uh, production crew or your first group or your production house, even is what I, I kind of label a lot of what I do as. Um, your balls are a lot bigger than your hands. 
Like you, you can't quite fondle as much as as you think you can, Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of what you you, your anticipations definitely don't play out the way that you think they're going to. So that's why when we were trying to do brew club stuff, you know, you know, you have too many people trying to do too much stuff all at once. We had a whole fucking business plan and shit. It was really (laughs) stupid. All we needed to do, all we needed to do, was go and shoot shit. That was it. And and all the people that we were working with, I'm not trying to speak ill will of any of those people. Um, I'm speaking ill will of our group dynamic um, in that we tried to we tried to legitimize ourselves before we had anything to legitimize. That's exactly it. That's that's yeah. that's a very eloquent way of putting it. Yes. In other words, we fucked up. It's like, <laughs> it's like trying to become a stuntman when you don't have a bike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you got a tricycle, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., you're not going to jump over those 12 buses. Yeah. Um, he's also a NASCAR driver. I meant to say uh, Evil Knievel. I don't know why Dale Earnhardt Jr. came out of my mouth. Um, uh, anyway, um, then, so first year was... It was fine. It was a thing. Like, uh, I made a lot of connections, uh, a lot of friends that... I don't really talk to you anymore. Uh, a lot of that is because a lot of them moved on to do um, completely different things than what Lucas and I are doing. Yeah. Um, a lot of them moved away um, to back home, back to their hometowns and that sort of stuff. Some of them live in different continents. Yeah, some of them work on, on big budget shows. Yeah, totally. Uh, and really, like, big ones. Like, uh, we got a few friends who are working on Winona Earp. Yep. We got a few friends that have worked on, um, uh, you know, The Revenant. Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Yep. Um, that sort of stuff. So, big, big name stuff. So, um, we know a couple of yeah, people. Yeah, good. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy for those people. Oh, me too. I, not, not my thing. No, definitely one, not. The, one of the biggest things film school taught me was I hate set life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was way too much for me. I'm a very laid back, like, go with the flow kind of guy. And that's not how sets work. No, totally at not. All. So I was just like, that's not for me. Which is a lot of what we learned in second year mm-hmm. of, of state. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, fuck it, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> so I said where I went to school, and I've been sitting here this whole time being like, was I not supposed to? No, <laughs> we, it's just mostly just like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Yeah, it's, like, it's mild paranoia. Yeah, mild, very mild paranoia. I highly doubt any of our instructors from... from um, from Sate, are going to even listen to this. And if they are listening to it, hello, thank you for listening. You're allowed to have your opinions about people. Yeah, and I mean, it's also been three years. Exactly. So I think think a lot of what we experience then is going to be important to any future classes or whatnot, right? I mean, they can watch it. They can listen to our show. I mean, I won't judge the fact that they have no lives, but... (laughs) (laughs) Liam, you're not insulting our entire... Like fifteen people in our audience. We got a really actually. We, our fan base is a little bigger than that. Oh, surprisingly really? enough, we have. Um, oddly enough, I looked through our our stats today. Um, we have a growing audience in Austria. So oh. hello to my Austrian um, listeners. Austria, that's honestly really exciting. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> Austria, Thailand. Uh, um, we got uh, some people in Denmark. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's like with wow. my with uh, history abridged. I had a very large following in Finland for a while. <laughs> Finland. Finland. That's super funny. Um, so second year of SATE was a little more intensive. That um, um, How it works when you go into um, our film school was your first year, everybody's in the same class. Mm-hmm. Everybody learns the same stuff. Um, I think we were split into two groups. So like one yeah. group would go in, and when one group had technical class, the other group was doing um, screenwriting, um, uh, sound, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, second year you get to choose one of three majors. So it was um, editing, um, production, which is like key grip, Alex, um, and that sort of stuff. And then there was producer-director. Lucas and I went into producer-director. Yeah. 
which is kind of where we decided we were going to be friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we, we bonded over. We, we're going to be friends. <laughs> like I think we mentioned the last one, we bonded over Bo Burnham and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, specifically those two things. Yeah. I, I remember there's a, there's a couple times where we had an office uh, in the beside the classroom, um, which we decorated on our like our own. We made it our yeah. own thing. We'd go and hang out there after class. So a lot of times we'd nap on the couch. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weird because it looked like a casting room for a porno. It's it. Mm, yeah, great. that's that's where we did that's where we did casting sometimes too. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and sometimes people would walk in and they'd be like, "What are we? What are we casting for here?" Um, but as, yeah, so second year um, was what I remember more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had also had a pretty extreme family uh, emergency or pretty extreme family tragedy that happened in, in when I was in my second year of film school. So my thought process on it is a little skewed. Um, also, you know, failed relationship, that sort of stuff it, in that year. Um, yeah, it was a rough year for you. Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> um, but I was supported by my friends. That was really nice. Thank you, Lucas uh, and Liam, You're welcome. too. And I think I had met John at that point. I was around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you for dealing with my jackass high school tendencies. Yeah, yeah. Liam was in high school when I was in university. Isn't that fun? Shit. We were still friends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of creepy. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so second year was very much uh, a learning about your artistic ability yeah and it was it was really teaching you first year kind of gave you the tools you needed for the industry and then the second year was like this is the industry and that was the point where it was like not for me yeah <laughs> and I, I wanted to do a lot of that stuff um, I had I had dabbled in a, a number of indie indie projects um, with just people who were uh, uh, alumni former graduates uh, doing a lot of uh, key grip and elect stuff. So people who don't know what key grip and like elects and that sort of stuff is, um, uh, key grip and elects uh, that's like lighting and setting up stands, shaping the light, helping the DOP, uh, the director of photography, and that sort of stuff. Just making making sure that the image comes out the way that the director wants. Um, couple things that I did in second year. Um, did you write anything for the, did any of your things you wrote got picked? Nope. No? So. No, I, I was writing for the wrong audience. Yeah, I totally, <laughs> I felt like I was too. We had to do a pitch, so every, anybody could pitch. Yeah. Um, so we had to do a commercial, or yeah. two commercials. Two, two commercials. Two commercials, a five minute, a 10 minute. A doc. A doc. And then a 20 minute. And then a 20 minute, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I directed one of the commercials, yes. the Dragon's Breath serial Dragon's with animated Breath. dragons. That one was that one was stressful. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Oh man, man. yeah, that was fucking. Uh, that it was, was it lot. was. I I'm glad, I'm happy with how it turned out. It yeah, was, it was a long process though. You also voiced the dragon. I did voice the dragon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, so I I didn't pitch. I don't think I pitched any commercials. Um, I did, however, pitch a five minute. And you were the only one. I was the only guy that pitched a five minute. Yeah. No one else wanted to do it. No one else wanted to pitch a five minute. I don't know if I've shown you, John. Um, I'm going to give you a brief rundown on this. So, uh, <laughs> originally, it was called Miss Apple's Puppet Theater. And what it was going to be about was a teacher doing a puppet show for a group of kindergartners. And the puppet show was an uh, explanation of her divorce um, slash the murder of her husband. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and no one, no one else pitched, so they had to do it. <laughs> they didn't have a fucking choice. And oh, so man. I was like, well, at this point, I can write whatever the fuck I want. And so I just rewrote it. And then it ended up being, ended up being called Googly Eyes Tell Lies. <laughs> and the, the premise 
was it was a very serious drama, but told from the perspective of sock puppets. And so uh, Mrs. Orange comes in. She's a fucking sock puppet. Uh-huh. And you only ever see the arm. You only ever see the sock puppet. Comes trotting into her house, and she starts hearing these sounds coming from the laundry room. She goes in the laundry room, and there's her husband and a another sock in the dryer uh, tumbling around. Taking a tumble. With no dryer sheet, I might add. No. Uh, no. <laughs> getting real nasty. <laughs> and they uh, they pop out, and then she's just like, oh, my God, how could you? And, and then they're just like, no, 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 she's uh, she's my podiatrist. You know, like, she's my foot doctor. <laughs> and then there, uh, a lot of, there are a lot of foot and sock puns. It was all foot and sock puns. Um, we actually had a cum shot in it too. At one point, we had edit, we had edited a cum shot. It was not in the original. The cut. No, they they made the they made us cut. Yeah, it, it would have been NC seventeen. And so we uh, we the, the next bit is uh, Miss Al- Miss Orange, I think is what her name is. She comes back in and she has a machine gun. Of course. <laughs> and she kills both of the socks, and it's gratuitous. Yeah. It's just like oh, fucking blood hitting the, <laughs> the dryer. It's the amazing. P- puppets are falling down, and uh, then her daughter walks in, and she's a, so- she's a finger puppet. <laughs> <laughs> oh she, sees the, she sees the disaster that, that is going down, and she's like, Mommy, like, what's going on? And she's like, don't worry, sweetheart. It'll all be okay. And then it cuts to this girl sitting in a fucking bedroom wearing a nightgown, holding onto these sock puppets and, like, talking to them to each other while lightning's going off outside. <laughs> and she's just like, it'll all be okay. It's super fucked up. It, and, like, it, it, I it love is. that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I yeah, love it. I loved it a lot. I had a very interesting role in that one. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I was – how do I put this? I was, I was one of the hand models – Hand the, model, good. Yeah, good, yeah, yeah. I was one of the hand models um, for the dryer scenes. Some of them got very explicit. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was very awkward to film. Oh my God. <laughs> we shot it on like this black screen, and like Lucas and a, and a friend of ours, um, uh, she had the female puppet, and yeah. Lucas had the male puppet, and they were like, they weren't humping, but their arms were humping. Yeah, and yeah. it was like it it got and, and, and like we, we, we kind of like. Arm 69 at one point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of really great pictures of it. Lucas, it's super fun. Put it, put it in my tag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was pretty extreme. Yeah. And um, then after, afterwards, uh, our friend who uh, I, I was my partner in the scene, let's put it that way, she just turned to me. She's like, we can't be friends anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm, like we can't talk to each other anymore. <laughs> Still we're friends. But. Yeah. Um, and then uh, what else happened uh, second year? Um... Well, we we obviously uh, we weren't really a big part of the dock. I don't think I wasn't at least. No, I wasn't either. No, we, we were both. We had to be a part of a dock, but yeah. I think I like. Fuck, what did I do on that dock? For a lot of those, I'm noticing in your in your second year, like the yeah yeah, we, we had to do specific projects, and then the twenty minute was the was the big one, yeah. and I don't I didn't really have a huge role in that. That was tough. Yeah, that that was that, really that was it was it was a rough shoot. Yeah, I was art I was art deck for that. Mm, I was locations. Yeah. It was not fun. No. Oh, fuck. I, I had to shovel horse shit for eight hours. I counted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It wasn't that big of a deal to me. I don't know. I grew up on a hobby farm, so it wasn't that big of a deal to me. It's like eight hours. Yeah, it yeah, didn't get paid. The, the cabin that we had was covered in mouse shit. Um, yeah. Like, we, it, was, it was so bad. You had, when you walked in, you had to wear a mask. Like, it was rough. Yeah. I, uh, me the and... project came out fine. 
Yeah, the project came out really good, actually. Yeah, I yeah. actually am really happy with it. Yeah, me too. I think it was just the production side of it that was just fucking hell. Yeah. I I was dying. Like, not only did were we working, like, 14-hour days, I had to drive for two hours on either end. Because mm-hmm. I had to I had to drive, pick up a bunch of crew members, and drive there. And it was an hour and a half drive there. It was about a half hour picking people up. Yeah, and two hours there, two hours back. I, w- I was dying. Like, yeah. I was not... A happy person. And you didn't think to ask people to meet you in one spot so you could just grab them? No, I did. This was the compromise. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. not even kidding. Oh. Yeah, it was hell. I, I, I And then my, my car didn't have winter tires, and it was in the middle of winter. But Yeah, I remember I when, had, we, when we were driving, it was... Yeah, I went to the ditch at one point. Yeah, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was it scary. Was, it, it was not fun. Almost had a deer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> deer in the headlights. Deer in the headlights. <laughs> Good plug. Um... Both. Yeah, it was just really tough. Um, yeah. But uh, it, was, it was no fault of like, especially it was no fault of like um, anyone really. It was just a really tough situation. Yeah. There were some there were some personalities that were clashing. Totally. And it, a lot it of got different ideas, sometimes. things that th- yeah. people people weren't agreeing with each other. Um, uh, the technical crew was really um, bitter about a lot of the decisions that the creative crew was making. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where our, our, our group really spiraled out. Yeah. And certain people didn't get the roles they wanted and they were very resentful of that. And yeah, it was, it was a rough production. The, the, the movie came out good. Yeah. Which yeah. Is what I'd say matters, so. but, um, it was rough. It was, it was a difficult time. Yeah, totally. Um, and then, but uh, one really great thing that came out of the second year of SATE, um, I had come up with an idea for a feature film series. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it hurts to say it, hey? No, I can say it. No. So uh, I had come up with this feature film series called In the Trees. That's what it was called. It was, it was, it was going to be f- uh, four movies about uh, Bigfoot. Um, it was a slasher film about Sasquatch. And I was telling, and Lucas was just happened to be a couple feet away, and he was listening in. And uh, I remember our screenwriting instructor, or, or the one from the first year, was listening to us talk about it. And he was kind of like, "Oh, that sounds awesome! Like, I want to hear more." And then uh, Lucas, I had said, "Yeah, it's a slasher film about Sasquatch." And Lucas turns <laughs> around and he goes, "Why don't you just call it Slashquatch?" <laughs> Beautiful. And I was like, "Lucas, that's the best fucking thing anybody has ever said to me." I, I just I just remember the look on your face. You like your eyes went wide, your jaw dropped, and you like put your hands on either side of your head and you're like, "That's amazing." I never never put it together. <laughs> and so and so uh, and then it got to a point where a lot of our instructors, they they They'd uh, go downstairs into their office and tell each other, and then come back up, and they'd be like, "So what's Slash Quatch?" Yes. <laughs> and then I'd be like, "Oh, well, this is it." And they'd be like, "That's fucking awesome." <laughs> and then they'd leave, and then another instructor would come up and be like, "So tell me about Slash Quatch." And I was like, "Well, this is it." And they'd be like, "That's fucking awesome." That's right? gonna put a fire under your butt, right? It did. It did. Definitely did. It kind of went stagnant for a while. So kind of, kind of has moments where like yeah we're working really hard on it and then like uh, uh, working hard on it and uh, yeah right now lucas and i are about a third of the way through the first draft yeah it's Uh, been a while since we've written anything yeah just because we've been kind of busy yeah and we've been doing the podcast and stuff like that so it's been it's kind of gone its own route um but you know it's coming um you know uh, trademark uh, Thunder Lizard Films, uh, <laughs> copyright Christian Kostnick and Lucas Grunewald. Yeah. But but that, that's not the only thing we've done in the realm of uh, Slasquatch. Yes. So yeah. one thing that uh, I had decided on was that we were, I wanted to do a prequel 
uh, movie. Uh, I wanted to do something that was uh, happens before the events of the feature film. Almost like a pilot. Yeah, a proof of concept. Yeah. Okay. And so Lucas and I sat down and we wrote In the Trees. Mm-hmm. Um, from when we wrote it to when it finally came out, I guess was about two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah, roughly. We, we started writing it in the second year. Yeah. And then uh, we finally shot it about a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. Um, finished shooting it about six months after that. Then editing took a really long time. And you can watch it if you want on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried to get it into a, film, a few film festivals. To, uh, the one that it did get into turned out to be fake. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, oh. called. I'm going to fucking call him out because the guy's a fucking asshole. Uh, it's, it's called the Fake Flesh Film Festival. Okay. Supposed to be in Kelowna. Turned out to be totally fake. The guy was just stealing screeners. Um, so fuck him. Um, oh. Fucking piece of shit. Uh, I don't know the guy's name, but if, if he ever happens to listen to this, fuck you. You stole my <laughs> fucking movie. Um, and it didn't end up playing um, because the festival just didn't exist. Um, I have since tried to get it into another film festival. We're supposed to hear back really soon. Um, uh, I'm not going to say anything until it comes out, until we get word of it. Uh, but we shot it. We did it. Yeah. I guess we'll... I don't know. Should we talk about... Like that? Should we talk about that experience a little bit? Uh, sure, if you want yeah. to. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any questions about anything that we did when we were in film school? I'd love to have your opinion and, and like your guys' uh, uh, input. It's hard for me to speak to anything because I don't. I never went to post-secondary because I think it's a, a construct, so <laughs> everything is a construct. Moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys, uh, you did two years? Two years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think you got the education that you were hoping for out of two years? Like, do you, do you think you got enough education? That, like, it just seems like not a long time. Well, the thing is, I have a lot of friends who have gone to more traditional film schools. It's four years. Okay. Some of them don't really make anything until their third year. Okay, so you, like it's, it's a lot of, a lot of, yeah, a lot of theory, not a lot of practical. Yeah. And that's what I, re- that's actually what I really liked about saying is very, is very practically driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First very day, technical. first day we're, we're fucking around with like, like a uh, film, like real film. Real film, yeah. Yeah, we had... we had uh, Exposed film, so we're not like fucking up uh, unexposed film. Yeah, we were, we were uh, threading uh, 16 mil cameras. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and 32s right. as well. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, our, our main instructor, who I wish I could say his name, but praise be to PT, um, <laughs> came out with uh, an Ari Alexa and showed us that. Yep. It's, yeah. it's, it's like a thirty-two thousand dollar camera, mm-hmm. maybe more. I it think was, it's they, they, they shot it. With, they shot the Avengers with an Alexa. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. And we have one of those. Uh, well, I'll say it does. Um, Personally, we we own one. Yeah. Lucas and I own one. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough question. Um, I guess it's hard to say compared to your other non years of post secondary. How does this compare? Like, <laughs> well, I had gone to another uh, school for post secondary. I did uh, two years um, uh, with uh, social work. Um, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, and so that was a lot different. That was before I went to state. Uh, that knowledge, I don't think I learned anything. I thought it was fucking horseshit. Okay. Um, I learned more in the field than I did actually being there. Yeah. That makes yeah. Sense. I don't know. I, I have opinions about education and I'm not going to share them right now but (laughs) I've got some pretty I think education is extremely important but it should be separate from job training it's what we call (laughs) I feel like post-secondary is what we call concept over execution Mm. Um, anyway but uh, in terms in terms of of SATE and in terms of film school I think I I learned I learned a lot and it was it was very very valuable 
Um, I was I'd been writing scripts and stuff beforehand. I'd done a, a couple of really shitty short films um, before I went into film school. But being there, I learned the proper ways to write a script. Um, I learned quote unquote uh, proper quote unquote proper. Yeah, I mean the way that that works for us. I yeah, guess. it's it's the way that the industry does it. I I wouldn't say it's the only way to write a script, but it works. It's it's a way that works. Yeah, it works, and it it works for what we've done so mm-hmm. far. Uh, and you've seen some of that those fruits of those labors because you've read the script um, mm-hmm. for what we're doing. Um, I feel like I learned. I learned the a lot of the technical stuff that um, if somebody were to say, "Hey, Christian, could you come grip this? Could you come um, be a lighting tech for this?" Like I could do it, and I would know the safety protocols around doing such. And you're confident in doing that. Yeah, I'm confident in my skills. So, yes, yeah, I'll say yes. I feel like I totally did get mm-hmm. what I paid for, although I'm still paying for it. Uh, yeah. If you just uh, here's a question: If uh, they did offer a third year. Would you have stuck around for it, or? That's an interesting question. Hmm. Um, for me personally, I had already decided at that point that I didn't want to work in the film industry, at least at least not in like the Traditional core industry. Sense, yeah. So I would not have. No, um, if it was if there was a little bit more creative freedom, um, and if there was a little bit more camaraderie, then yes, I would have. I think mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that That's was the too. biggest deterrent for me was I, I was so fucking done with it by the end of it because um, I had a lot of personal issues going on, but at the same time, that applied to what I was going through in school. Um, a lot of people um, called me salty, um, which was fucking horse shit because I was going through so much shit mm-hmm. um, that I was you know like kind of like how fucking dare you um, yeah. and that sort of thing. I don't think a lot of the people really realized what was going on or the the brev- like the not brevity the uh, breadth the breadth of, of what was going down. Um, so I think if I had if the if the group was more um, like in tune with each other and there was more synergy, then by all means I would have done a third year mm-hmm. if it was cheap enough. You know, and if I could afford it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you were saying in terms of like, like I just find film or the sets that I've worked on, which is very few, to be a very high stress environment. I'm sure you two have heard the the saying like "hurry up and wait here." Yeah, yeah. Which is hurry yeah, up and wait. Like, hurry up and wait. One yeah. of my favorite, one of my favorite film sayings. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which our like, film five. That's my other fun. Uh, it's like you say five minutes. Actually, twenty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, and that's the thing is that, like, I, I, um, until this last feature that I filmed, every time I've been on a film set or television set, it was always like, they're already running behind. Like, as soon as you start, you're behind. It's just mm-hmm. go, go, go. There's no moment to breathe. And like, um, after doing that short film in Edmonton and that not having come out, and like that was it was just a two day shoot, and it was so, so like fast paced that like I don't know I just didn't enjoy myself and I and after having learned like theatrical acting and and kind of having an entire play like first of all a three week rehearsal process most like usually to Mm -hmm. get into a play and then every single time you do it it's like you start from point A and you get to point Z and -hmm. that's very natural but then like in film you're just Filming bits and pieces all yeah, over sometimes, the place. Yeah, sometimes you're shooting B. Sometimes the next day you're shooting X. The next exactly. day you're shooting Y. The next day you're shooting E. And then you need to get to yourself to go those places, and then again and again and again, and then move on. And uh, and after that short film in Edmonton, I told myself I was like, 
I don't know if I can do film acting. It's what I wanted to do when I became an actor, which was main. Like I was obviously interested in film because that's the mainstream um, medium that you see that kind of art in. And um, like I was, I was ready to quit until this last feature. The director, when we had our first meeting as like the cast, he was like, "I found that my number one problem." is the the rush like you, you like film studios just rush they rush you rush you rush you and he's from uh, ontario and he filmed in alberta because they essentially would let him make the movie he wanted to make mm-hmm. he was like i don't i don't have to uh pander to anybody i can just make this and i want to give myself this a lot amount of time so i can just do exactly what i want to do and it was so much less stressful and he made a point of like doing things over and over and over again like literally like 20 times at least you would do a take because he's like you do it again until i yeah. get what i want which is like very high pressure i mm-hmm. guess but I, like, I, I feel like the film industry uh at least the core industry is kind of built for the type of people that thrive under high amounts of stress yeah, yeah. totally and i am just I mean, like that's that's great for them i'm not one of those people <laughs> yeah I've, I've dated uh uh girls that have been in uh, the film industry mm-hmm. uh, a number of them uh, well I'm not going to come with a player for me uh, <laughs> but uh, they um, it, it's a stress on the relationship too mm. it's a stress on all your personal relationships yeah it's, um, it's, it's not a job it's a lifestyle yeah, that, totally. that's not a joke that's not hyperbole that's just the truth yeah, yeah. like well even like um, we're even like just some jobs that just that I've done on film sets they're just so unfulfilling and like yeah like it's either like you're just sitting around doing what you interpret as essentially nothing or you're running around yeah, yeah. like liam was a pa on uh, in the trees yeah and my Which. job literally consisted of me going out there sitting outside of a cold for uh, an hour and a half just making sure nobody stole the cars yeah pretty much liam yep. liam sat in a fire room watch. yeah liam firewatch love it liam sat in a room and made sure people didn't play with our guns yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Make sure. Which you know, honestly, maybe putting Liam in charge of that was not. The best. <laughs> I was gonna say. I'm pretty sure me and Liam were the ones who played with the guns the most. Yeah, which was not <laughs> safe. And by played with the guns, we mean held them. Yeah. yeah. And it would yeah. be like hands they, they up. They didn't. Lucas. They didn't have firing pins, no. so like they were completely safe. Yes. So why couldn't people play with them then? It's just protocol. I and and they, they weren't ours. Yeah. Uh, and I remember you saying, Lucas, when, like, there was one point when we were playing with each other, you are like, I fucking love guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do like guns. And I'm like, guns fucking scare me, man. You scare me. So, John, I'm going to ask you again, just to reiterate, you're saying that the biggest difference between film and theater is the... Um, I guess I'm not trying to say that theater is, is less stressful, but are you saying that film is a much more stressful medium? Like, as, in terms of an actor? Um, in terms Cause, of Because as, as a creator, it's, it's a lot it, different. I don't know if stressful is the best word, but like I said, it's like needing to get to a certain place emotionally, no matter like, like just what you're told to do, no matter where it is in the story, you just have to kind of do it. Right, while and with theater, it's, it's you can build that momentum. Yeah, you can, and like, I, I find you, it hard to believe. You work through the story. Right. Exactly, and I find it, I find it really hard to, to um, imagine how even the best actors like do that authentically, and like, not questioning whether or not it is authentic, but you have to think, right? It's just like, okay, if mm-hmm. you're like, if you're just, if, if you can cry on a dime, and that's that's something that like I learned pretty quickly going into university is like there's the 
there's the people who were like hot shots in high school. They were like, I can cry in 30 seconds. And somebody else is like, ha, I can cry in like 10 seconds. Right. It's like, oh my God, shut like the fuck for, up. Yeah, good like, for you. What the hell does that matter? Yeah. Um, but I think the, the, the biggest difference between theater and film is, um, is in terms of the casting. I, like Because film, like naturally, it's so up close that they focus a lot on look. Right, yeah. and whether mm-hmm. or not you you just they just gotta look the part, otherwise like don't even bother. But with theater, especially in this uh, uh, day and age, with like um, like people um, uh, outlining body positivity and stuff, and 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 um, a bunch of things like that that I'm not gonna get into too much detail with. But essentially, I I I don't know if lax is the right word, but it's definitely um, like I find the, that theater's often, more about your performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and about. Your honesty, right? Like well, because also the thing with uh, theater as opposed to film is with film you have takes, you can take, you can do that, but right. then with, but when you're doing it on stage, you fuck up once and you're screwed. That okay, and that's why I love live theater is because you, whenever you're on stage or off stage, backstage, you have all the power in the world to just waltz on and be like, aha, we are doing a different show now. <laughs> and, and every other actor who's, you know, worth their weight is like, okay, I'm going to go with this, I guess, because I just kind of have to. Yeah, and, and not that I've ever done that or ever will do that, but just I think about that every single time in a play, and I'm like, wow. like, I yeah. could totally just yeah. whip it out. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I mean, oh, I just find that fascinating and how, like, and obviously things happen that you don't anticipate you don't do on purpose and they're just accidents and you just have to roll with them and it's that mm. adrenaline rush. And with film, it's kind of like, with film, if something like that happens, it's very rare that like, it'll be like, oh yeah, you ad-libbed, we liked it, so in the editing room, here you go. Yeah. But even then, that's like pretty few and far between. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't, uh, kind of jumping on what you said there, Liam, uh, if you screw up in theater, you said if you screw up, you're fucked. That's not necessarily true. You're only fucked if you freeze up or, or you just don't, do anything. Yeah, but even it. then, if you're like, how easy it is to, how easy is it to like not get, uh, to not get back into it, and like depends on the actor. A lot of actors are extremely good at that. Yeah, that's true. It it, it, it depends on the person. Yeah, no, I could just see I mean. it being so easy to like just like either panic or do nothing. Yeah, but that that's that's part of theater training. Is, that, that, is that's learning true. To that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, in my first play in university, um, day before opening on dress rehearsal, which we had a bit of an audience for, I called line. And really? then there was just a big pause, and then the director went, no. I was like, right. And then just kind of <laughs> kept going, and I did it again the next year. Like, mm-hmm. I just never learned. But I've, like, I've, yeah, yeah I've, on th- and on, sorry, Lucas, on stage, on stage you can't go, oh, sorry, can I do that again? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. When, when I was in theater school, uh, one of the things um, our teacher said, because uh, I, I made a mistake in the performance, and I just kind of quickly corrected it. I was like, I, the, the joke was I accidentally handcuffed myself to a table and when I did that I did it and then like it came apart and so I, I quickly just put it back on and like oh no and I continued with the scene and then the uh, the instructor was just like well you know it's great that you kept your cool and like redid it but we all saw that mm-hmm. like you can't That's just huge. undo it we saw it you had to deal with it yeah <laughs> You gotta think on happen. your feet a little bit more than yeah. you can with film. You can't just undo it. We we all saw it. We all saw it happen. We know we know it was a mistake, but like you redoing it doubles down that it was a mistake. Yeah, and that that's it takes an audience out of it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and then, and so that's a good transition, I guess, for for us going back into in the trees was that I found that 
and this is not doxing our, our actors or anything like that, but was that as a, as a first-time director, I had no fucking clue how to direct actors. No fucking clue at all. And, and that was a hindrance, a massive hindrance. And that's why it's, I'm glad that I get to work with John um, on these projects is because, you know, John's had a little bit of experience. And, and, you know, if, you know, he'll ask me, like, do you want me to do that again? Like, what do you want? And I'll be like, oh, shit. <laughs> I guess I have yeah. to. He's, John's more than just my friend right now. He's, he's my actor. Yeah. And I have to be like, okay, you have to do something. You have to try and do it like this. Maybe, maybe climb the tree a little differently or something like that, right? And so that was, a, that was a major thing that I learned when we were doing In the Trees was that you can't just tell somebody, do it differently, right? Like as a director, you can't just say, oh, like I want you to, I want you to try something else. Okay, what does that mean? Oh, that's um, really I've, I've I've gotten that direction many times. Yeah, from like some some of the best directors I've ever worked with. Um, someone's just like, I uh, I want to see something different. What you're doing just isn't working. Do something different. Your choice. Um, yeah, and it's like okay, well I'm locked in this idea, right? This is that's the, idea the thing that as an actor you gotta you gotta make sure that you're not locked in any idea, mm-hmm. which is one of the toughest parts. But yeah, I'm sorry I interrupted yeah. you. So, no, sometimes you get very strange direction. Like I've done a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of like amateur voice work online mm-hmm. stuff. I've never been like in a booth directly with a director. They're always they are were always emailing back and forth and stuff. But like I I did this uh, I did a couple takes of a line, sent it to him, and then he was just like, "Can you do it a little more like blue?" I'm like, "What? <laughs> what does that? <laughs> what does that mean? Blues, clues? <laughs> like he's like like blue like like has to feel blue." I'm like, what is th- what? I'll, I okay, I'll try. Yeah. So like, <laughs> and what, you just kind of got to work with it. Yeah. It's like somebody's saying, like, can you do it a little more your? <laughs> and I've had to practice um, a lot of of that sort of thought process. Is is you know, in, even just in my own head, um, of how how would I get this line out differently? And I read a lot of my own scripts, and I'm like, how could this line be said? And I think that's a really important thing for a filmmaker or director and a writer to do is to know that your script is not yours once you hand it to someone else. Mm -hmm. The moment you hand the script to an actor, they're going to perform it the way that they see it, which which, um, John and I had a meeting yesterday with uh, the actress um, who's going to star opposite him in, in the the short film. Um, And I asked them both, you know, like who, like what is the character to you? And our, our actress had said, well, it's me. And I was like, okay, that's fair, because I kind of wrote it for you. So, <laughs> um, but, like, what is it, what is it, what, what are the, what's the intent? Like, what are you getting out of it, right? And John and I have had lots of conversations about it, so I think he understands his character a little, uh, like, fairly well. Um, but that's one thing that I have, well, that we're going to have to sit down with the both of them, because understanding the character individually is a lot different than understanding the character in the scene and understanding it with, with your, your opposite. Well, mm-hmm. remember, is also even just finding a common ground. As an actor, can interpret a role very differently than its director or even its writer. Yeah, totally. Like oh, yeah. Um, one of my best, uh, my favorite phrases. Um, I think I might have said it before on a podcast before. Was uh, you know, there are three movies that get made. There's the one you write, the one you shoot, and the one you edit. Um, and the one that you write is your movie. It's the one that you, you've you've interpreted. It's the one that you, it's the story that you want to tell. And then you shoot it, and you have all these other people. You have these people shaping the light. You have these people performing um, the lines that you've written. You have these people, um, you know, coming in in the background that you never really even thought of, right? When you write an extra role, you don't think of how they're going to perform that role, right? When you have background act, uh, like actors, I've never actually had any background actors because in, on In the Trees, there's two people in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Well, 
there's two people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two humans. Yeah, there's two humans. Um, uh, spoiler. But, uh, yeah, um, and, and with what we're doing right now, there's a number of, of other roles. And I'm going to have to tell even people in the background, like, hey, like, like stop looking at the fucking camera. Or, like, yeah. uh, and then when they stop looking at the fucking camera, they become a rock, a stone. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's not what I mean either, you know? Like, it, it gets, it's hard as a, as a creator, um, as I'm sure as it's hard as to be a performer. Where you you have to listen, like the dynamic is so strong, like it has to be strong. If you don't have a good relationship with your director and you don't have a good relationship with your actor, and if, like let's say you fucking hate each other. I mean, to be fair, a lot of performances have come out of hatred, and that's a different emotion. That's something that that can motivate uh, an actor to do, do the best they possibly can, like Shelley Duvall on The Shining. Yeah, I never believe that that's an uh, an appropriate way to do that. Like, no. no matter what, how authentic of a performance you get or what. I don't think it like as a director you should ever be a fucking asshole. Yeah. Or no. as a human being, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Generally speaking, yes. We're looking at you, James Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> but but speaking on behalf of, of of a director, like having the ability or not having the ability, but having the opportunity to build a relationship with these people and know that you're not making I I'm not making my movie. I'm making our movie, oh, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, like that's that's something that I kind of was cocky about within the trees, and I'll, and I'll be the first guy to say it, um, say it live on this fucking podcast. It was that I was <laughs> cocky about it, and I was like, I'm making my movie, and and there was a lot of stuff that I've told people in the past where originally it was supposed to be a horror movie, it was just going to be a horror movie, straight up horror movie, and then certain circumstances kind of led it to be a a B movie, a Z movie even. Um, and I tried to play that off as, oh, that was my intention. That was never my fucking intention, <laughs> ever. My, like, Lucas can probably attest to it too. Like, oh, yeah. when we were writing it, we tried to write it as a horror movie. We did. We, as we a all, serious drama even. We, we, yeah, definitely elements of drama. We always knew, I think, at least I felt this way. We talked about it. Um, I always felt there was an element of a little bit of camp, a little bit of B-movie too. There it. was supposed to be camp, but not to the extreme that mm-hmm. what ended up coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least, sorry, what I was prepared for. Mm-hmm. I, okay. Like, I know we have talked about it, that it, like, it was supposed to be campy. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the premise. Like, like without saying too much, too much the, the, the In the Trees was a campy B-movie, and then the next one, or the feature, is supposed to be like an 80s horror film. Yeah. And they're supposed to go into different genres um, and move down the line. In the Trees, I've wanted it to kind of be like a, like, a, a, like a serious campy film, if that makes any sense. Something like yeah. The Blob, where it, it's taking itself seriously, but as an audience member, you can kind of laugh at it, mm-hmm. which... When we were editing it, we laughed at it more than we felt anything else, which was such a downfall. And, and, and at times, I felt very discouraged as the creator because I was just like, I made something bad. And I, even to this day, like, I, I, think, I think it's a great first effort. I think, I think we did the very best we could. We made something that was really strong um, for a proof of concept. Um, I do not necessarily look at the movie positively a lot. I watch it quite frequently. I watch it every once in a while. Um, and there are times where I'm like, oh, I fucking love this. I love every single second of this. And then there's other days where I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Right? And that's, mm-hmm. it, that's, it's discouraging but also motivating. I think right? it's important to have, especially in your very first film, like, like to have an experience like that and to, to, to keep going and like not, have it not discourage you from 
being a creator in general is and like, making stuff in general yeah. yeah it just you know oh i mean this is what i wanted to do for my whole life there you go right yeah. i wanted to, i wanted to be a director i wanted to make movies well my whole life outside of the first eight years i was alive <laughs> um but that's what i that's what i want to do and like uh i'm gonna get a little sappy here <laughs> that's what i want to do with you guys right like that's why i invited john to be on um this movie that's why whenever i write a script i'll show it to liam and I'll let Liam write it or read it um, and give me creative input because I appreciate his his knowledge of film. And, and then that's why I love to write with Lucas and, and have Lucas as my producer is because I trust his his knowledge. It's just as much as I trust any of your guys' knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So there's my sappy moment. For <laughs> that was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect amount of Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely – whenever I'm involved in filmmaking now, it's always on the writing and, like, sort of producing side. I hate being on set. Yeah. It's a nightmare for me. I will me. never I'm... subject Lucas to it again. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. Like, I don't know, like, um, I'm a very solitary person. I guess you could say I'm homebody. I, I, li- I like to spend most of my time by myself. If I spend too much time with other people, I start to uh, devolve. <laughs> and I'm the same way on just the principle of I don't like people, so. <laughs> I, I like people, they just, they're just too much. <laughs> no, it's totally understandable. And so, yeah, set life. Like, I'm not kidding. When I'm set, like when I'm on set, I am miserable. I'm miserable to be around. I I do not look at life the way I want to. I think you were and totally just... fine on in the trees, but that was from in my trees, perspective. I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't really know what it, you it felt on really it. It wasn't really a traditional set. True. And I was I was around a bunch of people that I knew and liked. Yeah, and there were days where it was tough. I don't know if you could tell, but um, there were days that I just sort of was like, "Can't come to set today." Sorry, I no, wasn't. I, I, wasn't yeah. I wasn't really needed because I was. I was the producer slash writer. I would just be there to be like, "Good job, guys." Yeah. <laughs> Did you come out to the cabin? Yes, I was there. I was. I slept over there actually. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you were there for the cabin stuff. Mm-hmm. We did that over the course of two days. Mm. Um, the second. The second day. On it was one of the rough days for me. Really? Just like it, everything was. Went what did fine. we shoot that day? That was that was the death stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like for me. I was just I was I was more me than the production. I was just getting very exhausted. I was I wanted to be alone and yeah. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard. It was me. Yeah, it was really tough. I had also grown a beard. Uh, That's right. Yeah. That's sorry. Right. Sorry. I'm gonna break break <laughs> the, the tension a little bit. Yeah. Beard. I, yeah. I grew I grew an Amish beard. Um, I had my movie set beard. Um, funny thing. That happened on. I just want to tell this anecdote. I think it's. I think it's a fun little thing that happened. It was the day before Halloween. I had my beard still. It was very gross. It was basically a chin strap. <laughs> I was going out for Halloween, and uh, I was with uh, one of our producers at the time, um, who also plays the the Bigfoot in the movie, um, and I said to him like, "Okay, well, like." If push comes to shove, like, you might have to direct this scene if anything happens. I went home and I shaved my beard. <laughs> it was my movie beard. It's like a playoff beard, right? So I went home and I shaved my beard. That night, I broke three fucking ribs and, and, and cracked two. Yeah. So on my entire right side, um, just by being a drunk idiot, and I fell down and broke three ribs. No, it was two ribs and fractured three. I remember that. Yeah, so I was in a lot of fucking pain that they had to go and shoot it without me. Don't do that. Yeah, I, and that was one of the days that I couldn't make it. Yeah, it's and like I really wish you, you had been there. Break your ribs. It was, Did no. you know you were going to break your ribs? You no. said beforehand, you said, if anything happens. Yeah, because, you know, I didn't know. It was, it was one of those, like, serendipitous kind of moments, and I fucking fucked myself up, 
And then I... On top of that, skipped out on me when I was trying to get a hold of you. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then we had to shoot that, so, that, so they, uh, the, the crew um, the crew did a, a job. I, w- I wouldn't say, I'm not yeah. going to get into it. Um, it, was, it was... None of it was usable. It was not usable. Yeah, so we had to go and push it to six, about six months. Yeah, yeah. about six months All later. Right. We shot it in Lucas's basement. Yeah. Um, there fits was in a, the movie like a fucking glove. You can't even tell. There was a brief <laughs> point where they almost shot it in my grandma's basement, but I yes. couldn't work it out with her. Yeah, yeah. it's weird because it, it like it it's in the middle of the movie. It's the middle of the movie. It's, it's, it's the one of the sh- most important parts of the movie. Yeah, it's the shift. It's the moment where you actually believe one of the characters, and and it fits. It fits fine. But I just thought that was a fun little fun little yeah. story of me fucking my ribs up. And shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, is there any kind of closing statements you want to talk about with with film and filmmaking and that sort of thing? Like, John, um, like, I had, like, are you looking forward to to anything right now? Do you have any future projects in the works besides the one that we're doing? Like anything um, like that? Well, actually, I, uh, I I just I just came off of doing a play, um, and it was like a I mean it wasn't it wasn't a huge production. It was a first time theater company and stuff, um, and. It was it was great to work with and, and most of the people who I worked with were from a university most of them were graduates and um, uh, two of those people involved who graduated from the school came to me were like we're kind of tired of doing these big project things like we don't want to do a play so let's just do like a movement piece for just the sake of making art and not not put any any sort of expectations on like oh um, uh, we're gonna have to put this out at this time and and having people come see it because it's live theater like we might film it we don't even know. But um, it's just a moving piece, no dialogue, expl- uh, exploring the relationship of, of touch and, and, and kind of manipulation. And it's very weird when I'm starting to talk about it out loud because we don't even know what we're doing yet. We're just kind of in the process of it. Um, but that, as a closing statement, is just kind of generally what I look forward to in terms of my art making because I've wanted to be an actor since I was six years old. And my goal throughout most of my adolescence was like, oh, I'm going to be like... Uh, DiCaprio and and be incredibly famous and win an Oscar one day and and that was kind of my goal and as I've matured as a person as well as an artist I've kind of um, figured out the 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 real reason rooted behind these things and why I actually want to be an artist which kind of empowers me more and this is just getting into more sappy stuff you know but uh, but yeah I just kind of want to and that's why I'm excited for Thunder Lizard stuff because it's just Making things because you feel like it and you feel like saying something and you don't have to have any sort of um, big people or big money involved. Just doing it because you can and you want to, which mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. Right on. Liam, what are you looking forward to doing? I know I know, because you're, you're just as much of a th- lizard as, as any of us are. And I know, I know you don't really have a lot of filmmaking experience, but um, is there anything... Because you've written a number of things that you want to do with Thunder Lizard. Yum. Is there anything like right now that you want to you wanna do... Um, well, I mean, I don't, I have a few projects that I've been brainstorming and developing on the roaster. Um, a lot of it is like with busy work life and all of that and just general motivation. I get to it when I get to it. But like my main, uh, what I'm mainly at right now is, uh, uh, is still writing, but also professional criticism. And I feel like that as a critic, uh, which I identify as, um, I feel like it's important to hear, hear statements from filmmakers and from people who are actually in the medium because if you don't know what, say, the people who made it are going through, it seems almost unfair to uh, full, to judge it. Like, I mean, I still believe in 
uh, judging a film on its terms and on the terms it was released on. Mm-hmm. But still, like, it helps it so that, uh, uh, I think it was either Gene Siskel or Roger Ebert who had this saying where, like, when you were critiquing something, you gotta be willing to give it its day in court. Yeah. Which, and I feel like it's kind of hard to, uh, give something its day in court without hearing the statements or stories from the people who worked on it, which is something that I very much encourage. Oh, um, right. as, uh, um, like, and have you mentioned that you might be bringing back some of your YouTube uh, uh, critical analysis, hey? I've, it's something I've toyed with, but a lot of it is I hate being recorded or on camera. I was going to say, <laughs> I think you, your, your voice comes out really well on paper. Of all the reviews that well, I've And on podcasts. And, uh, well, of course. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I've seen you write uh, very short snippets of reviews, and they're always like the most... Um, like informative of everything like uh, a lot of the things i read at least from uh, like people who aren't like established critics you know it's got a good thing going for you yeah like i just i don't like being recorded i don't think i'm very charismatic or especially good looking (laughs) you know i i I think a lot of our a lot of our fans would uh would disagree with you yeah especially on the good looking part um (laughs) totally uh but like i don't know i mean like like I think I've always been more fascinated with film on the storytelling and writing aspect. Like, obviously, a lot more goes into it than just that. But just the idea of, like, that incep- that like the inception of that idea, that initial idea that just grows into something. And I also feel like that when I hear, like, a lot of casual audiences talk about movies and stuff, I never hear them talk about the writing or actual story of it. I hear much more about, like, the effects or the direction. Like, even a bunch of my friends, like, they can't name a single writer to me in Hollywood. Yeah, that's, like, fu- that's funny. Uh, uh, I got a critique yesterday about um, how we, um, with uh, you're making a movie. Uh, somebody told me that we should cut out writers when we do it because which, n- nobody knows why? who the fuck the writers are. And I was like, well, this podcast is for people who are fans of films, so like, would they not know who those people are? Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's huh. like, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like I like to try and bring, I want to try and continue to uh, to write and push forward with that, like find more motivation and really continue to try and, find my voice as a writer um and as a uh and just as a speaker as a whole because i again i think john put it best way and says i sound better on paper than i do vocally <laughs> uh, i think that's wrong i think your voice is just fine uh lucas what, uh, what do you got going on uh right now I don't know, I'm, I'm a lot more drawn to online stuff i for those who don't know uh i've had a, I have a youtube channel uh called history bridge where i just talk about history uh and kind of abridge it as is in the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it did relatively well. I, I have just under 600 subscribers right now. Uh, and my, my most viewed video has like 43,000 views, which is pretty dope. Uh, but I'm looking at restructuring and kind of relaunching. I haven't made a video in months because it started to feel like a chore. Uh, and that's not what I wanted from it. Yeah, that's another thing that I kind of have. Like, uh, once I feel like I'm really start doing it, it starts to feel like a chore, and I get kind of bored with it. Yeah. So I'll kind of so, push it to the side. And... Yeah, so what I'm what I'm kind of doing right now, I've been writing some stuff and kind of structuring out some stuff. Uh, I, I want to restructure the channel so it's more just a variety channel, just stuff I'm interested in. I'm still going to talk about history, because I love history, but I'm also going to be talking about movies, uh, TV, and, like, Dungeons & Dragons and stuff like that. The, cool. My main loves. <laughs> yeah, the big three. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then uh, I've mentioned it already. John and I got a project in the works. Um, we're also going to start writing something really soon here, a uh, sci-fi-oriented uh, film. Um, I'll explain to you, both of you um, after. I think, Liam, you already know what it is. Um, 
and uh, then uh, Lucas and I are still working on the script for Slashwatch, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, well, we, not I, we are still doing Thunder Lizard stuff, uh, so it's a little infrequent, but it comes when it needs to. Like John put it best, you, you make something when you want to make something when you think you have something to say. Uh, was it make mistakes if you have to? Like some, you learn no, no, the best you, through. Not not make mistakes if you have to. You will make mistakes. Yeah, Most of the choices you make will be mistakes, but don't let that stop you. Yeah, your creative mistakes will be the most motivating. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this has been the Thundercast for this week. Our next episode will probably be about uh, a genre of some sort. Uh, maybe uh, I don't know what it'll be. We'll figure it out. Fuck it. All right. Thanks for <laughs> listening. Uh, we have. This has been John Tasker, uh, Liam McGinnis. Christian Kostinik and Lucas Grunewald coming at you live from that endless void. Grab on to something. I don't think it like as a director you should ever be a fucking asshole. Yeah. Or no. as a human being. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Generally speaking, yes. We're looking at you, James Cameron. Yeah. <laughs>